Jaggy Jeff back with this week's podcast, What Would Jaggy Jeff Say? This episode is called A Job is a Job is a Job. <laughs> Actually, I have a couple of stories to tell you on this one. Uh, one is about jobs. The other one is about what's kind of going on in my life right now. <laughs> my ever-ending basement project. Okay, a job is a job is a job, right? Have you ever heard or read, I know you have, you see it everywhere, the statement... Get a job that you love, that's rewarding. Life is too short to work at a job you don't like. Do what you love. That's all out there on social media and help books. Sounds great too, right? Everybody wants that, right? But is it realistic? Is there a perfect job, ideal job for everybody where you will feel fulfilled and happy to go to work every day and stress-free? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think there is an ideal job out there for everybody. But while you're searching for that perfect job, life happens, right? Like rent and mortgage and groceries, utility bills, uh, medical bills, family, kids. Lots of unforn- unforeseen circumstances. This just stuff is, happens, right? So, while we're searching for that perfect job that we may never find, most of us end up working at a job that's less ideal so we can, well, exist. So, yeah, I've had uh, jobs through my life I didn't choose or like, but uh, I, had to, I had to have a job most of the time to support my family, pay the bills, pay the rent. You can find a job, though, You can find a job that's perfect for you, but it takes work. You really have to plan for it. It probably takes, uh, well, I know it takes determination, probably takes sacrifice, and uh, it's not going to fall on your lap. you got to go out and really work at that. So, yeah, I've had uh, a few jobs in my life, different kind of things, and uh, none of them I would, you know, when you're in high school or even younger than that, you think, oh, man, I want to be this, I want to do this, and None of the jobs I've done have been anything that I thought I was going to do, but I had to, I had to do it. But I, there was one job I want to tell you about that I loved. I, I was a professional presenter for 10 years, a little over 10 years, actually. A professional presenter. Now, you got to, I know you have a couple questions right now. You're saying, what is, what the heck is a presenter? And your second question is, You got paid for that? (laughs) Yeah, I did. All right, here you go. A presenter, that's the person that's in charge of all the programming of a performance series, performing arts series or performance series, like might be at a university or a a college, a library, maybe festival, community center, retirement center, or club, okay? So I worked at the University of Central Missouri, and I was the director. I ran the performing arts series. So it was considered, because it's a university series, it was considered a multidisciplinary series. So I presented a range of music, dance, theater, spoken word, and everything in between. I was a, 
I was a member of the Midwest Plains Presenters. I was a member of the National Association of Performing Arts Professionals. I served on the Performing Arts Panel on the Missouri Arts Council, Council, and I was chair of the Warrensburg Arts Commission. Loved it. It, right down my alley, you know. You you know I'm an entertainer, a uh, musician, and uh, so yeah. Uh, and here's I I did it all. I ran the whole thing. Uh, I booked the artists. I worked with the agents, contracts. I created the series every year. Most of the time, because it's university, it was a fall and spring scheduling. I did all the marketing, all the ticketing, the box office, the fundraising, the sponsorships. Uh, Special events, all the community outreach stuff. I managed all the venue and theater and sound and light and yeah, I did. I did it all. That's that's your job. I was the director of the performing arts series. It was actually started at the university back in 1988 by Dr. Ed Elliott. Now that didn't mean that they didn't have uh, concerts and performing arts before 1988, but it was kind of random. Universities and colleges always have uh, bands and performers and groups and musicians or whatever come in, right, for the students and for the uh, for the community at large. And they were doing that. You know, I, I think, uh, gosh, way back when they built a multipurpose building in the early 70s, something like that, uh, they had Bob Hope in. And they've had groups in like, uh, you know, I think they had Kansas and Uriah Heep and a lot of the rock groups. They've had Merle Haggard, Sawyer Brown, lots of things. So that's what they did. Well, uh, Dr. Elliott, in his infinite wisdom, said, you know what? We're spending the money anyway. Let's have a formal series. So they created the Performing Arts Series, and a really good idea. And so I ran that for a little over 10 years. So, yes, I have a lot of great stories. I hope to share those with you through uh, these podcasts, got to work with and meet a lot of cool and famous people. So today I'm telling you about one of those right now, okay? Because I did something back in 2010, 2011 that I don't think anybody had done before, at least in the, in the series, I, and I took, it was a long shot. It was a, it was a, uh, yeah, it was risky. I actually booked someone from Branson, Missouri. Now, everybody's heard of Branson. Here's the deal. Branson is just south of us here, a little under three-hour drive. So a lot of people go down have, from here go down to Branson. A lot of, some people I know have condos or, or down there, and, and uh, they've seen all the shows. But here's the deal. Here's how I had to... Uh, run the Performing Arts series. Like I said, I'd have all kinds of different things within the series. But uh, I always try to have a big name every year. I My job was to not only bring in Performing Arts for the students, but also for the community at, at large. The town that we're in is actually considered a rural community, even though it's a large university, and we're also home uh, to Whiteman Air Force Base, all the stealth bombers. But um, we are under 20,000 people, so we're considered rural. So th- this university, fairly large, home of the Mules and Jennies, Go Mules and Jennies, they, uh, one of their 
you know, one of their tasks is to provide, it really is uh, one of the few cultural things in the area, even within the, uh, within the, the county of a little over 60,000 people, I think, in the county, something like that. So that was my job, um, to bring in cultural things like that. Well, to sell tickets and to sell, definitely sell uh, sponsorships and uh, season tickets, I had to have a big name in there. So this year, in 2011, I thought, I'm going to, and I love this guy. I want to tell you about him, Jim Stafford. Jim Stafford, I'd seen him years ago down at his theater in Branson, the Jim Stafford Theater. I didn't realize that he'd been there for 30 years. Long time. So anyway, great performer. Um, and I thought, you know, he, I think he would be He'd be really good when I was reading about him. Uh, he, uh, of course, extremely talented, could play anything, self-taught on everything that he played, by the way. Wrote songs like Spiders and Snakes and Swamp Witch and My Girl Bill, Wildwood Weed. I play a couple of his songs all the time on my radio show. I'd forgotten this song. I looked it up, Under the Scotsman's Kilt. <laughs> I forgot about that song. Anyway, remember he also uh, hosted that TV show with Priscilla Presley called Those Amazing Animals. He was a writer for the Smothers Brothers TV show. And he, was, uh, he, he wrote a song, had a song in Clint Eastwood's movie, Any Which Way You Can. I think that was 1981. And uh, Jim uh, even uh, had a small part in that movie. So super talented guy. So I called down there. And I get a hold of, they say, well, yeah, you need to talk to our manager. So I talked to the manager at the Jim Stafford Theater, and I told him what I thought. He said, you know what, this is really, really good timing because Jim is thinking about branching out and doing something like this out of his comfort zone because he'd been in his own theater for 30 years, right? But before that, he'd done this kind of stuff all the time. He said, why don't you come down, come to a show, and meet him and talk to him? I said, you bet, I'm there. He said, how many tickets you need? I said, four. Okay, so I took my wife and some friends. We go down, great seats, of course. We watch the show, fantastic show, funny guy, talented guy, extremely talented guitar player. And uh, so then after the show, the manager comes over to me. He says, uh, come on, I'll take you back. and you, you can meet and talk to Jim. I said, cool. So the four of us got to go back, and they take us back to his dressing room, and he's in there. Really nice guy. And uh, now, at this time, Jim was probably, oh, I'm sure he was in his 60s, probably early 60s, I don't know, uh, mid-60s. Anyway, um, still looked great. Of course, he was great on stage. But he was super, he was like a kid. He was super excited about this idea of going out on the road and performing. And he, start, he started talking about these different skits that he's been thinking about doing. And he, and he got up and he acted them out and he jumped back behind a, uh, uh, something like a, a table or something, a dresser, and he'd jump out. And, and again, just like a kid, man, he just, I thought this is going to be great. So I talked to him about what we did, what I had. And I said, so here's the deal, though. Uh, I'm going to want you there for a couple of days. Of course, we'll put you up and everything like that. And uh, I'm also going to not only show, but I'd like to do a meet and greet with you at the president's house 
with our sponsors and also a master class with music students. And he got a look on his face like, I master, what is that? You know, because he's never done one. And I kind of explained to him what it was. He says, well, we'll talk about that. I said, okay. So anyway, worked out the whole deal with his manager on price and dates and everything and uh, booked him for that next year. So it was this month, back in 2011, when Jim Stafford performed at uh, University of Central Missouri at Hendricks Hall. Now, great show, really good show. Uh, I took him and his wife, lovely lady, to the president's house for a meet and greet. Uh, he talked to the folks, went around, walked around the whole place, shook hands. Of course, my sponsors loved that. To meet a famous person, uh, people love doing that. But then the, the day before, I did have him do a master class. And I said, well, what do you, I mean, what, what, what do I talk about? I said, well, these are, these are mostly guitar students. And uh, music students and guitar students, they're going to want to know how you got in the business. These, these guys, are that's what they want to do. He said, okay, that's all? I said, well, yeah, I mean, you need your guitar there. You're probably going to have to play a few things, you know, have fun. But it's just fun. So what I did was I set them up on stage on a just an open blank stage. And I put him, I made a little semicircle of chairs around his chair. So in comes these uh, mostly music students, guitar students. I did have a couple of community, a little older uh, community people come in. That was fun. And they were, uh, <laughs> they loved it. I mean, Jim, Jim uh, just talked about how he got into the business. It was really a cool story because he said, hey, I didn't, you know, nothing special. He said, I literally walked into a bar with the guitar on my back and said, hey, I'm a singer-songwriter, do you need somebody to, you know, perform, sing? And uh, he said, I'll do it for free. And that's what he did. So that was, <laughs> that was uh, kind of interesting. And, of course, they loved it, and he loved it, and it worked out well. Great show. Everybody talked about it. It was a lot of fun. So that's one of my stories. And, yes, I have a lot, a lot more stories, but I'll tell you what I have found with famous people who have been on stage and in movies and TV and all that, right? They're popular people and they're, uh, you, you would think, you know, they got an attitude or they're stuck up. No, most of them are not. Most of them are just regular people. And I'm going to tell you about that as I tell you my different stories. So that was really, really a lot of fun. As a matter of fact, there was a song, I'm going to play just a little bit of this song for you, that he had written, and it played. It was, it's on the soundtrack of Clint Eastwood's Any Which Way You Can. <laughs> Here you go. It's called Cow Patty. Badlands came the killer. He lived by the knife and the gun. He'd cut you just for standing, shoot you if you tried to run. He was big as a tree and he did as he pleased, and everything he did was bad. They said if you was to kill him, it'd only make him mad. 
From the good lands came the cowgirl. Patty was her name. She was hot on the trail of that killer on a moped she called Flame. Because the killer had killed her daddy just for spitting in the road. You only had to kill her daddy once to get that gal P.O.'d. Yippee-yay, cow patty. Yippee-yay, cow patty. She rode into town to find the man that killed her daddy. Yippee-yay, cow patty. Isn't that great? Yeah. And of course, yeah, he performed that song. When he played at UCM here in Warrensburg, and uh, <laughs> funny, he's just a funny, funny guy, nice guy. Really, really, really enjoyed it. So, can you find a job you love, you love doing? Yeah, you can. Uh, but I worked hard to get that job, guys. I really did. You got to go out. You got to go out and look for it, and then work for it. And uh, you can do it. But in the meantime. You might have to work a few crappy jobs, too. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to change. I got a story about what's going on in my life right now. So I think, I don't know, a couple of podcasts ago, I was talking about the never-ending project in my basement of my house that we're, uh, we're not remodeling. We're actually finishing off, oh, quite a bit, actually, about 1,100 square feet. It's something that, that of course... We built the house 20 years ago, and we had uh, decided, you know, here's how we're going to build it because we're going to finish off the basement. 20 years later, we looked at each other said, you know, we don't have anything to do. We'll spend a lot of money and finish off that basement. So that's what we're doing. Well, anyway, it's been going on for a long time. Several reasons why I'm not going to get into right now. I think I did earlier, a couple of podcasts ago. But here's what I want to tell you about. Today. Today is my hot tub story. Now we've had hot tub. We love we love hot tubs. We've had them, gosh, I don't know how many years and probably three or four different houses. It's one of those things that you get and you put in and then you leave it. Almost like a piano, right? <laughs> like a big grand piano or something. You leave that hot tub, you don't take it with you. So uh We've had a hot tub where we are for a while, and it stopped working. And so we're finishing off this, uh, I think we'll finish off this basement at some point. So last year we were talking about, well, we need to, we need the hot tub. You know, we're going to have to finish basement. We need the hot tub down there just outside the door there. I, we had a patio port, and it was going to work great. We're already wired up. Cool. So this was um, 2020. Actually, it might have been yeah, maybe a year and a half ago. Anyway, we stopped by our favorite hot tub place, and he says, well, there's a waiting list. I said, what, what do you mean, a waiting list? He said, well, they are only allotting so many hot tubs. I said, oh, wait a minute. Okay, I know about the baby formula, and I know about the Charmin, but what's the deal with hot tubs? He said, I don't know. They can't get the parts. I don't know. And then I started looking at the prices. I go, oh, they've gone up. Since last I bought a hot tub. So we're still talking about that. We're not sure. I do miss my hot tub. We're not sure if we're going to do it. We're going to keep looking. And I'll report back to you about that. But I want to tell you a quick funny story about our first hot tub that we bought. We had bought this house. 
um, and tore out the deck and the backyard and poured a really, really nice big patio. So I told my wife, talked her into it, we need a hot tub. And I had a friend of mine that lived about an hour away, and I found out that he had a hot tub he wanted to sell. I go, yeah, what is it? And he told me, and really nice brand. He sent me pictures. Uh, Huge, huge hot tub. I'm pretty sure it had 72 jets in this hot tub. So I'm going to tell you about the story. I said, I want it. Settle on the price. We're coming to get it. I borrowed. That time I had to borrow a truck and a trailer from a friend. I got my son, my son-in-law, and my brother-in-law, all young, strong guys, because we got to go get this hot tub and bring it back. Well, we get up there, and it's the biggest dang thing I've ever seen on in his backyard on his back deck. So that was incredibly difficult to get that off the deck onto the trailer. But we did it. We strapped it down. I paid him. We took off, started down the highway. Now we're an hour away from home. We're just rolling along, talking about hot tubs and everything else we can. I look in my rearview mirror, and this hot tub has come loose on the trailer. It is literally hanging halfway off the trailer, so far over it's in the other lane of the highway. And I'm just, I, I'm, I freak out. I started to hit the brakes, and I thought, if I hit the brakes, that thing is going off the trailer and going to be a billion pieces all over the highway. If that had happened, I probably just would have kept driving. So I stay cool and calm, and I slowly pull over to the side. I tell the guys we're in trouble. We get out there. We push it back up, get it secured better this time, and finally get it home. All right, now this is the second part of a three-part story about this hot tub. I told you how big this hot tub is, biggest one I've ever seen. We have to get it into the backyard. Problem is, I have a six-foot wooden fence completely around my backyard. Now, I have a gate. Of course, I have a gate, but it's just a regular gate. I don't know how wide a regular gate is. Anyway, we can't get this hot tub through that gate. Unless we put it up on its side. So we did that and we rolled it. Now, it's not a round hot tub. It's like, I don't know, got five, four or five sides to it. I don't know, whatever, how many sides. And it's expensive. And it has a lot of pieces and parts inside that can break. So you talk about something that was not only difficult, but also took a lot of time because it was a very slow, slow roll. So we finally get it through the gate. And I'm thinking, man, I hope this thing (laughs) makes it. We get it back down. And I don't know, there's five of us, I guess. Four or five of us. Might have got somebody else to help because it was so dang heavy. We literally carried it over to the patio and got it in place. We finally got that all done, and those boys looked at me and said, don't ever, ever ask us to do this again. I said, oh, I'm not going to do this again. This is it. I'm done too. 
So those guys take off, and I'm looking at this hot tub. It's beautiful, guys. It has all the bells and whistles. It has 72 jets. I can't wait to get this thing hooked up and get water in it. I might get water in it before I get it hooked up. That's how excited I am about this hot tub. I can't wait for those 72 jets and Calgon to take me away, <laughs> right? So I call a, uh, a buddy of mine, an electrician buddy of mine, and he said, yeah, sure, I'll come over, and he brings all the stuff, and he hooks it up. It's got to have, well, what was it, was it 220 power back then? I think it's more now, but it's called 220. Anyway, special wiring, whatever they call it. I don't know. I'm not that much into it. That's why I had him do it. So he gets it wired up. Everything looks good. I go, thanks, man. I pay him. He leaves. Now he's a friend, but I paid him for it. So I get the hose, and I'm filling that baby up with water. And it looks fantastic. It gets beautiful, clear water. And, of course, I can't turn it on yet. You have to get it filled up to a certain level before you can turn it on. I read all about it. This is my first hot tub, but I read all about it. I don't even think we had Google back then. No, no, I read it somewhere. Maybe I was on my Apple IIe computer. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, and I, I'm thinking, wonder how long it's going to take to heat this baby up, man. This was in the, I don't know, afternoon, late afternoon probably. So it finally gets up to the point where we can turn everything on. The jets are working. It's bubbling. It's all the lights are cool. That all 72 jets are going, it's and you turn the heater on. Of course, the water has come out of the ground. It's cold. I mean, I didn't want to get it. But I thought, oh, yeah, it'll heat up. Well, we waited, and we waited, and we waited, and we waited. It was taking forever. And it was after dinner. It was probably, I don't know, 8 or 9 o'clock. We're still waiting. I'm already in my bathing suit, man. I'm, I'm ready to go, you know. And I finally talked to my wife and said, I said, you know, it's fairly warm. I think we should try to get in it. She said, and she went out and put her finger in and said, let's wait a little while longer. So we're sitting there in the living room waiting for our hot tub to heat up. <laughs> this is my last part of my story. This is the funniest part. There's a loud boom outside. And I'm, when I say outside, I'm thinking it's right outside my window. That's how loud it was. And well, you almost felt it. It shook the windows or something. It was crazy loud. And then all of our electricity went out in our entire house. I go to the front window, look out, and the whole street neighborhood is black. Lights are out, electricity is off, and of course you know what we think. We have blown up the neighborhood with this hot tub. Somehow my friend didn't wire it right, maybe I turned it on the wrong way, whatever it is. We have blown up the neighborhood, and I'm panicking. I'm panicking because I'm thinking, how much is this going to cost me? <laughs> So, yeah, everything's dark, man. I don't even know if the, maybe the street lights were on, but everybody's houses were all dark. So we, we're still on our swimsuits. We grab our rubs, we put them on. And I look out there, and people are starting to come out their doors and out into the street. 
So I said, come on, hon, let's, let's go out there and kind of mingle. Act like we don't know what we're, what's going on. I know for sure that we've blown up the neighborhood. So we go out, and everybody's kind of walking around. What's going on? What happened? And I go, I don't know. I don't know. This is crazy. What in the world happened? <laughs> I know what happened. I blew up the neighborhood with my hot tub that I didn't know what I was doing with. And if somebody didn't. Anyway, finally, the uh, energy company comes, electricity company comes. These guys come in with their big trucks and everything, and they're looking around. They're walking around with flashlights. I think even the police were there. And they're, they go back in the backyard right next to our backyard. And there's a huge uh, uh, pole with big transformers on it. And the guys come back out, and they go, well, it was a raccoon. And he's fried now. You got a fried raccoon in the backyard, and that's what happened. And I said, yeah, that's what I thought. That's exactly what I thought. You know, it had to be. <laughs> you know, my neighbors back then, I don't know where they are these days, but uh, I never told them that story because they probably would have sent me a bill or something. I don't know. So that's my first hot tub story. Now, do I want another hot tub? Yeah, I do. 72 Jets and Calgon can take me away. Hey, guys, that's it for my podcast this week. Don't forget to uh, check me out on my website, jaggyjeff.com. That's J-A-G-G-Y, jeff.com. Also, i am uh, got my radio show Monday through Friday afternoons, Central Time, 1 to 5. You can also check it out on warrensburgradio.com. We're on Alexa, all your little devices, whatever device you use. Also, there's a free mobile app out there you can put on your, on your uh, cell phone. Is it a cell phone or mobile phone? Anyway, any of your mobile devices, your iPad, iPad or whatever, there's a free app out there called TuneIn Radio. TuneIn Radio. And you just search uh, 1450KOKO, and I am there with you. And, of course, this podcast is on Apple and Spotify and Google, iHeart and Amazon, and my website, jaggyjeff.com. So thanks for listening, everybody. Be cool and go out and make it a great day. We'll see you. Bye-bye.